0: I am radio with your co-hosts, Robert Briney and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins. And your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney your weekly dose of hope Paz I Am Radio I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now
1: Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Cause I Am Radio. Today is December 11th. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined, of course, by the fabulous Aaron Laxton. Aaron, how are you? Good. Happy
2: Sunday to you. its uh, I don't know if it's feeling like Christmas, but it's certainly cold like Christmas uh, here in St. Louis where I'm located. How about up where you're at? I guess that's just part of the deal. Um, I think it uh, is probably cold everywhere, except if you're a Republican and don't believe that climate change is real. Um, and, and so, <laughs> but you know, I, I'll, I'll accept the uh, the uh, the cold as long as it doesn't
1: get too cold. I'll, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't mind the cold. I prefer it to be cold than be hot. I'm weird like that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I <would much laughs> you're like, yeah, you're yeah you, you are. Pain.
2: I would much rather be hot than cold, um, but I guess we don't always get to pick what what
3: we want to be.
1: Well, you can always, like, I feel like you can always take off clothes. Like, if you take off clothes, eventually you're going to not have clothes. You know what I mean? So at least if you're cold, right. you can bundle up and get warm without exposing too much. <laughs> Indeed. So how was your past week?
2: You know, it was... Uh, Somewhat hectic. The uh it was the last week of classes at school. Um so finishing up assignments and getting that all squared away. And um, yeah, that was that was kind of it. I don't I don't really lead to too exciting life, so work is kind of crazy right now. I know that you have really uh your hours at work I could
1: not do. Let me just say that off of the bat. <sighs> Yeah, I can barely do it. But I guess after four years, you get used to waking up at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, I usually yeah. start at 4 or 5, and, you know, we go in to make the bagels and <laughs> brew the coffee for everyone. It's, you know, it's it's fun. You know, it's all right. But, you know, hopefully within the new year, you know, I'll be able to move on to something more, uh, you know, in the HIV field. I'd like to kind of expand my horizons here and try to take another shot at finding a job and, you know, helping the community out. It's kind of what I want to do. It's always been what I wanted to do. Right.
2: Well, it's definitely an exciting time in, uh, the field of HIV. And, uh, I think there's also a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, we've talked about that in the past couple shows, um, that none of us really know kind of what's going to happen with our state and local governments as well as with our national government. Um, you know, it's it's still very troubling that we have elected somebody that does not have a um, national HIV/AIDS strategy. So, I say all that to say that the
1: future of
2: AIDS service organizations and the funding that they receive
1: um, is very much uh, in question. We <laughs> are talking about uh, the Ryan White funding and the Affordable Care Act, correct? Because um, you know that's something that I'm actually taking advantage of Um, before the new year. Actually, tomorrow um, I'm using uh, the Ryan White funding to take care of some oral surgery that I need done, and you know I'm just grateful that I'm able to get it in before he takes office and and makes any changes that may know, take that away from us.
2: Yeah, it's uh, everyone that I've talked to that work within the the field of, of. HIV and AIDS and, I mean, just nonprofits, um, you know, no one's really sure of anything. So that's a great idea. I mean, I would definitely, if you have benefits, um, you know, or if, if listeners have benefits, be sure to, you know, use them for um, January 20. <laughs> we right. don't know what he's going to do. I with just the out, office, so. So.
1: Right. That's the scary part. How is the, um, uh, are the protests still going on up there where you are? Cause I know you were a big part of that.
2: So they are. Um, and actually there's a lot of, uh, movement around act up. Uh, and so anybody who's kind of interested in that can, you know, shoot me an email or, or give me a tweet. And, um, but there's a lot of organizing efforts that are coming out of New York. Um, and you know, Act Up is once again kind of re-energized, revitalized. Um, And I think we're all just kind of bracing bracing ourselves for a long haul. Um, You know, each and every day, more stuff comes out. Um, This week, it was about the CIA and um, uh, Russia. Now, it it appears that there's some evidence that that they hacked or tried to get into the election. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know getting closer January 20th uh, to the uh, inauguration, uh, there'll definitely be more actions and protests nationwide,
1: not just here in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a big uh, a big commotion and hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll prove its purpose and, and, and take a stand and people will listen. You know, it's important that even if he becomes the president, that he listens to what we're saying. And what you guys are saying, yeah. it's an important message. So, um, I, I do want to, I always, we always seem to forget, you know, since we've been back on it, we can open the air up. So I just want to open the phone lines up so people know. They can call us at any point during the show to speak to us, ask a question, um, talk about anything they want. The phone number to call into the show is 929-477-3572. Press the one so we know you want to come on and you're not just listening. I wanted to talk about some of the upcoming shows we have. Uh, believe it or not, I have, um, I'm scheduled, we schedule the shows out until February. Which That's is awesome. uh, kind of cool because I put out, yeah, I put out a call for people on Facebook and Twitter, and you know got quite a response. So I just kind of wanted to go down the list. Uh, you know, today we're speaking to Derek Hannes, Uh On uh, the 18th, we're going to be speaking with a personal friend of mine who's been on the show before, James Brenig. Um, I remember meeting him, you know, newly diagnosed in a support group. Um, and to see the activist and the man that he's grown into over the years, it's it's been amazing. So he's going to come on and give us an update. Remember, we're going to be off on uh, Christmas and January 1st. So, you know, enjoy that with your family. And then we're going to return um, on the 8th with a live show. Um, Michelle Anderson will be joining us on the 8th um, to give us an update. January 15th, we're going to speak with Robert Suttle. He's going to give us uh, an update on the HIV criminalization and how that Um, You know, is moving along. If any progress has been made, and what you know, cases may have come to light over you know the last few years that we haven't spoke to him. So that should be an exciting show on the 22nd of January. We're going to have on a gentleman by the name of Joseph Gray. He's going to be sharing his story with us. And then on the 29th of January, we're going to have uh, a friend of the show, Diane Reeve, come back on the show, give us an update. She just recently released the book um about her personal story um she was featured you know on oprah and some things about uh it it was kind of like a a court case out of texas i believe and it was six women who were you know kind of wrapped into this love quarrel with a man who was intentionally spreading the disease and not telling the women so it's kind of a a big story she sent me the book i'm excited to read it over the next few weeks when uh after my surgery and everything and it's exciting i started reading it and it's kind of like for me i watch these things like forensic files new detectives so to kind of start reading it, it the way that it's written it kind of reminds me as as one of those you know like tv shows felt like a big mystery so i can't wait to have her come on and and you know give her a review of the book i gonna have to send it to you once i'm done reading it
2: yeah no that'll be amazing
1: um i, I i'm always amazed
2: by um you know, the the guests that you're able to get and bring on. I know I I talked to uh, Charles Sanchez. We're going to get him scheduled in the the spring. I'm very excited about coming on and uh, and telling his
1: story. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be an amazing uh, new year. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So, um, let's see. Do you want to move over to the scoop and see what's up with Josh Robbins? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, let's go ahead.
2: This is your
0: HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins. Exclusive for Paws I Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV Scoop.
4: Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Josh. I hope you've had an amazing week. All right, so you guys have probably seen the latest headlines about the candidates and the political race. Do you feel like that we're ever going to get past the election? Some of the headlines were, were as creative as this, which is an actual one, quote, Clinton promises transparency and orders stealth pantsuit from the Secret Service, end quote, so nobody will see her. But is fake news really all that new? Well, of course not. Those of us in the HIV space have been battling fake news for a while. Example one is the HIV-infected banana story. Do you remember that one? You see the bananas with the red in it, and it's got HIV-infected blood. Well, it's still making its round on social media, and we're combating it with educational posts. And that's really what we have to do with all fake news of any sort. Combat it with factual actual information all right according to AIDS map there is a new really cool study that is testing whether four days of HIV meds a week is as effective as every day seven days a week And uh, the study recruited 100 people to try it out, and the results are actually pretty promising. After 48 weeks, 96% of the group still had a fully suppressed virus, so they were still undetectable. So my question is, would you choose Monday through Thursday or Friday through Monday? Huh, leave it up to you. And a big shout-out to Quest Diagnostics. They just finished an 11-city national tour sponsoring AIDS Walks all across the country, pretty cool that they're so committed to helping local nonprofits in the HIV space raise the much needed funds for people that are living with HIV. I'm Josh Robbins. This is the HIV Scoop.
1: Thank you, Josh, for that. Um, so, I want to go to the study first. I want to talk about that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like taking it four days over or taking it every day? Like, do you change it if it's not broke? I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I'm kind of hesitant on that.
2: Well and so normally if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said <laughs> yes. Like I would leave it the same way. But right. uh, like two weeks ago I had my physical and you know, I switched to I'm eighty percent vegan. Um I've lost thirty five pounds, it's it's great. Um and That's so I expected pause. that then <laughs> thank you, but I expected that my <laughs> um my cholesterol and my L D L and my triglycerides would be great because they were borderline high Um, but what I actually found out this week is that my triglycerides and my LDL are double and so in in kind of just doing research I found half of it is basically my genetics the other half is because my HIV meds so the possibility of being able to go down to four days a week then that puts less strain on my liver less strain on my internal organs my heart Um, and so I think for that, it's a it's a good thing, um, especially since, you know, we're going to have to take these medications for life. Um, but, you know, if, if there's ways that we can ease up on our body, then I think
1: we absolutely should. Now, what what do you think that would do to PrEP? You know what I mean? Is there going to be now experiments where people will now not take Trivada every day and just take it... You know, a few times well, so a day and are. see if that still works.
2: Yeah, so they are studying that. Um, some people call it situational prep. Um, and so they're, they're studying that. They're also studying um, how much do you actually need in your system to be effective. Um, so I think the other thing, too, is that it's really hard on our system, is even if we're undetectable, HIV is still causing inflammation in our bodies. And so I I don't know that it's necessarily the same response for a person who's HIV negative and taking PrEP. Um, So how much of this is actually the HIV virus and how how much of it is actually my medications um, remains to be seen. But there's a clear link between our medications and, um, you know, some of these other issues such
1: as cardiac issues,
2: cholesterol, things like that.
1: And then the other thing he mentioned was the fake news which is like he said something that's been common in the HIV community, you know. I remember coming on the scene <clears throat> when I first created Pause I am when I had the social network and I remember coming across articles that were about, you know, denialist and denialism and and you know <clears throat> the monkey and this and that, you know, and all different things like there's so much information out there. Like I want to kind of add by adding to what he said is that You know, adding some information for people to know what websites to go to to get good information. So, of course, we want to recommend TheBody.com, our friends there. There's always going to be good real news there. You know, um, HIV Plus Magazine's website, they, you know, have good information, Paws.com. There's always, you know, a few that i just like to mention The CBC that people can go and get real information because everything on social media you can't believe. I mean, I go through it now just with the political stuff and I laugh at it. And see, you know, you have to check the website. If it's coming from CNN, then more than likely, it's real and legit.
2: Yeah, I, I also think that, you know, people will probably be surprised. I mean, we get comments, you know, here on Pause I Am on the Facebook page. Um, I get them on my YouTube page, and and of people either pushing herbal remedies, uh, and you know, I will typically you know, take those down. But yeah, I mean, these fake news stories, these people that are trying just to make money. Um, and I, I, look, I do think it's a bit sick, right? Because people want a cure more than anything. So when they see a story like mm-hmm. this, they're not sharing it maliciously. Um, but people will share it saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're closer to the cure. Um, and that's when we have to kind of say, no, actually, you know, we, we've not made that much headway on it, or or we try to do corrected information. But, uh, yeah, I think the fake news is
1: certainly something we battle with. And he's, like he said, the way we, we combat it is with legitimate posts and, and fact-checking, fact-checking. So, again, I want to open the phone lines, nine two nine We're about to bring our guests on. Um, I see him sitting on the line. Derek Kennes is coming on. He will be uh, sharing his personal story with us. So, uh, Derek, welcome to the show. Are you there?
3: I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys?
1: We are well. So, I want to thank you for for joining us today and and you know uh, sending us to share your story uh, of hope. Um, some people who are not familiar with your story, I'd like to start, uh you know, you were you were infected as an infant but not diagnosed until 16 years of age. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, wh- wh- where your story begins as an infant?
3: Yes, Um. at 3 months of age I was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect and I went to go get that corrected and um during the course of surgery and a three-month recovery, I had a 15-cut blood transfusion. And all through the next 16 years, i had bronchitis, pneumonia, low weight, you know. Um, oh, Low height, always, you know, just was the smallest kid around, and it was always attributed to my heart. And then I switched over to different doctors. And that's when the virus was discovered at 16.
1: Do you remember what it was like when they told you that you were positive and and what your feelings were like?
3: It was a shock, but a little bit of relief because I finally had the answers to a lot of reoccurring medical issues, it wasn't normal to have bronchitis and pneumonia every year. <laughs> you know, it's not right. something that that um, just happens. So I mean, it was relief, it was shock, it was it was kind of every I mean, emotion you could ever think of at once.
1: At age 16, did you even know what HIV was?
3: I did know what it was, um, because back in the '90s there was a show called Nick News, and I remember watching the special that they had with Magic Johnson. And and that's a show that I'm really, I really wish would come back because that's what kept me educated throughout my younger years. And um, was a it was a new show all for kids and they dealt with some heavy topics sometimes and that was one of the heavier episodes but I remember paying attention to it and being drawn to it and not not knowing why but now later in life realizing there there was a reason I was so into watching that and paid that much attention to it. So
2: this is Aaron. What? Um, so you were diagnosed at sixteen.
3: Sixteen, yeah.
2: Sixteen, and and do they know what year, or do they believe they know what year you were you contracted the virus? Because it sounds like you contracted it through a blood transfusion. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, it would have been one of the blood transfusions between the. Um, Surgery at three months of age and three months intensive care, say.
2: I mean, that's really amazing that, so, you didn't find out until you were 16. So, 16 years, uh, 15, 16 years of living with the virus, did the doctors say that that was really amazing that, that you had basically lived to see 16?
3: Yes, they were in shock, very, very much in shock. And um, it caused a lot of very bad medical issues. Like, I, it put a curve in my spine. And it stopped me from growing. It destroyed um I have a lot of uh, dental problems. I mean, it, it created a lot of secondary medical issues from getting it so young and not not getting treated. I mean, I, I know the destructive nature of the virus very well
2: what was that like for i can't imagine being 16 and and you're already dealing with these very complex health issues um but now to throw on top of that the this thing called hiv um did it change how you interacted with with your friends with your peers did it change how they interacted with you
3: um to a certain extent It did and it didn't. I thankfully had a good group of friends that went out on their own and did their own research. And every time they would see me, we would go back to just laughing and goofing off like we always did. And they always said, you know, it's it's just a medical diagnosis. It doesn't change anything. We think about you, you know, you're still... You're still just there, uh and that was a, a very big blessing and family was like it was the same way. You know, it was, you know, we'll move past it, we'll be okay. And that's really what kept me going. So I, I this is Robert
1: um Derek and, and your interview with I believe it was HIV plus I read, you know, after your diagnosed Diagnosis. One of the things that you struggled with was your faith. Um, you know, uh, as you know, I guess, to why this would happen, and that's common with people that are newly diagnosed. I know it was something that I struggled with. Um, can you talk a little bit about where your faith is now today, after you know, being uh, diagnosed for so long and and surviving?
3: And my faith is still kind of rocky. <laughs> I don't really look to that. I kind of look more inward to fix problems. I've never been the one to you know, well let's pray on it. And That never really appealed to me. I always was the, I'm the stubborn one that will say I got this. And um, I've always just kind of had that mentality since I was diagnosed. I didn't look I, I take a lot on my own shoulders, and I'm the probably one of the most difficult patients for a doctor, because I'm the patient that gets up and walks around an hour outside of major surgery. I've been involved in wonderful days, they thought I'd be in three I'm very stubborn in that respect, and I have always told everybody that you know, despite my relationship with um with God and whatever you wanna call that through your own views that um we have a Rocky relationship but I do have mm-hmm. his cell number. <laughs> that was always my number. <laughs> like, I I know he knows me. Like if I ever do have to make a call Like, I'm not sitting here and thinking, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's it's always still there. Like, I know because of family members that pray all the time. Like, if something was to happen to me, they would, God would know me because of everybody else.
1: Well, one of the other amazing things I read in your story on the, in the article was that um, throughout your, your surgeries and transfusions, you've actually have passed three times and come back. Yes. What does that feel like?
3: That is, um, I mean, really, I don't know how to explain that. I never got the warm, fuzzy feeling. (laughs) I never saw a light. I never, you know, had any of that stuff happen. And I think that's where another part of the just my issues with all of that come from is, and my grandfather will tell me, well, you know, that tells you something. If you never saw light in the tunnel or felt warm, good feelings, <laughs> you know, that that tells you something. But to me, what always woke me back up was pain. And so I don't like to take pain meds. I, I kind of embrace being in pain. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what gets me through the day. I'm able to kind of set my mind on, I've just got to go. And that's what I've always done. This I is don't, Aaron
2: again. I don't. <laughs> no, it's, it's really uh, fascinating um, to hear you say that. Um, versus, it, it makes me think of uh, meditation. And so some meditation teaches to kind of push out any stimulus from the environment, anything around you. And most recently I've been doing meditation that makes me kind of embrace the environment that I am in. And it sounds like that's kind of your same philosophy with pain that, you know, you just know it's part of your life and actually that is what kind of keeps you.
3: Yeah. And I actually, um, right after I was diagnosed, I, had I went back to the doctor after I'd started treatment. I had some lung issues, and I walked in with double pneumonia and I walked in telling the doctor, "I think I've got a sinus infection <laughs> and immediately after that, they said, well, "We need to do a pain threshold test on you to figure out what you know what's going on and we quickly found that my pain thresholds are a lot higher than most people so my doctors had to adjust a whole medical um dialogue with me and it became if any little thing if you feel like something's not right come in don't wait until it's bothering you enough to call us and come in because if i wait until i'm kind of like bothered by something it's usually something pretty major and and that goes back to the initial heart surgery when I was a baby and they didn't give pain meds really to babies. So, I mean, I've had my chest cut open from my collarbone all the way down to my belly button and stitched and stapled back together with relatively low amount of pain meds. And so that's where the pain tolerance You know started and that's that's why i am such a difficult i guess kind of patient for a doctor i'm not the typical one to complain even when i should
2: well one of the things that i recommend to people that are newly diagnosed and i i would definitely want to hear your your kind of your thought on it is support groups but your situation is so unique that Uh, Did you find comfort from other kids that, you know, uh, had contracted it through blood transfusions or through mother-to-child transmission? Um, Where did you find that strength um, as you, you know, you're 16, 17, 18? Um, You weren't really like other, other people who were living with HIV. Your story was very unique. So how do you kind of navigate that?
3: Um, well, sadly for me, where I'm at in Georgia, there are no support groups. And to this day, there still are no support groups. I just recently, in the past two years, um, got into a couple support groups on Facebook, and I I don't really talk as much as I probably should in there because I am kind of the, that weird outside story, and I don't. Really, kind of fit in in a lot of the support groups. My, I've found the most support when I talk to the long-term survivor support groups. The guys that have had it for years that deal with, you know, that are the guys that are in their 50s and 60s are the ones that I relate. That are kind of, you know, hardened by the worst of the worst. Those are the guys I relate to, and that if that I I go to if I have issues or if I just need to talk, that's who I'm looking for.
1: No, that makes sense, Derek. And um, you know, that's kind of why we do the show is so that people like you who feel they have a unique story and may not fit can can get connected with and, you know, relate to other people and have people relate to you by hearing it. So, you know, with this being archived and everything, it's going to be um perfect for that. So can I have you stay on for a little bit longer? We want to play a positive message from the Rise Up to HIV campaign and then come back to you because I want to talk about your DJing and I want to talk uh, with uh, D-Rec. Is that cool? That's cool. All right, we'll be right back. Give us one sec.
5: Hi, my name is Bob and I'm from Walkworth, Ontario, Little a rural community of uh, 700 people. So I'm a, a rural POS guy. And I've been POS for 23 years now. And um, so I'm a long-term survivor, and I'm kind of proud of that. And I'm proud of all long-time survivors out there. So hi, long-term survivors. want to want to lift my hat to you. Uh, but I also want to lift my hat to, to people who've joined us along the way uh, and offer encouragement and support and love because... Um, I think you have real opportunities here as a person living with HIV to live the kind of life that you wanted, always wanted to do, um, to make a difference, uh, to throw off the shame, uh, to realize what you want to do, uh, and, and if you want, to help and encourage others, just as uh, Kevin is asking us to film videos to, to support others, um, you have that kind of opportunity too. So Kevin's on a good idea. Um, I think what I like about this is that it emphasizes that we are part of a community. We are here for each other, we're here to support each other, and to learn from each other. And I kind of like that. Um, it's an opportunity uh, that comes with HIV, and I, I've grabbed it, and, and and I hope you will too. So enjoy um, being part of a community that can offer you so much and which has the opportunity for you to offer so much. Um, be well. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the HIV community. It's quite wonderful.
1: And there you have it. And we are back live. We are joined with both a open-heart surgery survivor and HIV survivor. He is termed by his doctor as a Terminator. He also um, is the creator of the End of Stigma campaign and the creator of d Angels and Warriors. I want to learn more about that, but I want to know more about his crazy weekends where he turns into a crazy emulator DJ, d Derek, tell me about d How did you get involved in DJing and all that good stuff?
3: That is actually one of the probably craziest, goofiest stories I will ever tell. What happened <laughs> was right after I got diagnosed was when the home computer started coming out with CD burners. <laughs> and everybody was making mixed CDs and, you know, passing them all around. I got into doing that. That was kind of my thing that kept me, when it wasn't all about doctors and meds, I was at the computer putting together the CDs for family and friends. Well, those CDs got around to a couple local nightclubs. And um, a friend of mine was um, getting me into the club a few years before I was actually supposed to be in there. And one of the places that was a big um, karaoke bar and she would always go in and sing karaoke and I was there and I was hanging out with the DJs. One night I got dumb enough to get up and sing karaoke and it shocked Mm -hmm. her. I kind of shocked myself and I sang probably the most embarrassing song that um, I could sing which was Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't just stand on the little stage in the bar. I walked all through this entire place and had the place standing up and singing along because it's one of those songs that everybody knows. And doesn't matter if you haven't heard it in 20 years, you still remember the words to that song. And after that initial night, the owner of the club was calling me saying, you're coming in, right? Like, people are asking if the guy that sings Ice Ice Baby is coming back. And this is when cameras first started appearing on the phone. So there are probably hundreds of videos that I've never seen out there somewhere of me singing Ice Ice Baby. Well, the more I hung out in the clubs, the more I hung out with the DJs, and the DJs started teaching me how to run a mixer and how to to do everything that they did. And about two years of sitting back and learning and doing karaoke, I finally got convinced my parents that I wanted a laptop and that I was going to go out and be a DJ, which I'm sure is the last thing anybody's parents ever want to hear and that was 10 years ago and i've turned that one laptop into a 10-year career in, in D-rec and and d-rack and d angels and warriors and that's taken me um from my hometown to orlando savannah jacksonville florida i've been able to dj um in a lot of great places and i've worked and um, for the Wounded Warriors, American Heart Association, American Cancer Society, been very fun. I've been able to give back to the community a lot, a lot of community events, and uh, I love it. That's where I actually feel alive. That's fantastic.
2: So I'm not sure if you've seen this week um, that, there's been a change on um, AIDS.gov, and this on World AIDS Day, they announced that they were changing it to HIV.gov. I, I'd be interested to get what your thoughts on that are. Do you think that's appropriate, or do you think it should have stayed AIDS.gov, or is that more representative of kind of where we are with living longer and having better health outcomes, um, especially from your perspective as you know being so young with HIV and being a long-term survivor?
3: Um, I was actually disappointed to see that because in Georgia, I know in Atlanta, most newly diagnosed cases have already progressed to AIDS. So when when they changed the, the name and the push for all the HIV stuff, I understand it because that's a lot of what everybody's, you know, that's the rhetoric about it now you know aids is kind of it's seen as an archaic thing it's seen as something you know that doesn't happen and sadly it does still happen it's happening all over the country and by you know taking the name away i just kind of ostracizes that community even though it may be smaller than the hiv community it kind of puts a wall up and divides. I think it's a divisive decision because when the name was .gov, that was kind of an umbrella and that covered AIDS and HIV. But now with HIV, you've kind of put a wall in between the two groups.
2: No, I can definitely understand that. I, I was amazed whenever I saw that. I. I, I agree with you. If we look at the southern states, um, we know the epidemic looks very different there than it looks in other regions. And I think sometimes um, as activists and as clinicians, um, it's very easy to forget about our rural, um, you know, people who are living in rural locations who may not have access, you said it earlier, um, didn't have access to support groups. It's a different way of life, different thought process. Um, and so that's also why I find the work that you're doing so fascinating. Um, you sound like you, uh, it sounds like you're the life of the party. Um, when you were telling your story about you getting up and seeing Vanilla Ice, Ice Baby, I actually sent over Robert a message. Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. that that's just one of those songs that is so like high energy um, and, and makes you happy. And it sounds like you're a guy that no matter what has came your way, you always try to embrace that, that happiness. Um, is that true?
3: I, yes, I definitely always do. And that's when I when I go out and speak at colleges and whatever, I always, before I start, I always tell everybody, my goal is to send you out of the room um, laughing with tears in your eyes. And I tell a bunch of crazy stories in between every of uh, uh, the main story, I always tell the goofy stories because anybody that's had to be in a hospital, you know, there's no modesty. I mean, you have to be able to laugh, you have to be able to look at everything and go and just smile at it sometimes, or you'll drive yourself crazy. And that's that's a big thing that I've always tried to leave people with is you know, you can't take everything so seriously. Whatever it is, you know, however serious the situation is, you've got to be able to kinda of see the the part of it that can make you smile. And and hold on to that and hold on to it with a death grip because you're probably gonna need it depending on the situation.
1: That's true that you, you know, you, you talk about when you go out and you DJ and when you become a D-rec, um, how it kind of makes you forget about, you know, the HIV and it lets you become this person who doesn't have to worry about, you know, uh, being sick or, or anything of that, you know, it just allows you to be a, a different person. It's like your alter ego. And I think we all kind of need that because it's. As much as people think that who I am here on the radio is definitely not who I am off the radio, you know what I mean? So to have that, like, alter ego to kind of balance out, you know, the good and the bad is is, is awesome. And, and I think the DJing thing is, is cool, and, and, it, and it gives a different take on things. And, you know, I was worried about how we were going to title the show, and, you know, you were talking about how you didn't like you know, HIV or, or, you know, the pause in the in the title for the show. So we kind of went with the spinning of the stigma, which I thought was kind of a cool take. And you kind of do that by sharing your story and out there DJing. You're spinning the stigma away, like, one record at a time. And, you know, that's commendable. You're, you're a very brave man.
3: Thank you for that.
1: Cool. So um, I, I wanted to ask you things about um, dating. How is dating and disclosure work for you? Have you had any problems with that? Because that's a big question that we get tweeted about a lot.
3: Um, yeah, I've actually had a lot of trouble with it. And it's just... A lot of it's where I'm at. I'm in the southeast. And a lot of the knowledge when it comes to HIV and AIDS is still based out of 93. You know, there's people then mood around here for most newly infected people. And as you'll get a pat on the back and, you know, sorry to hear that. And, hey, you want it to go, Cub, right? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of compassion for it. And I think that's because people just don't know the facts. And it's really sad when we live in an era now where we all have a computer at our fingertips at any moment. And it just takes, you know, five minutes to look up the truth about this disease and see what it really is and how it spread and what it can do. And people just don't take the time. And they don't take the time until it's usually too late, until they're already in the situation where they're forced to look at that website.
1: And that kind of takes us kind of full circle back to the scoop with Josh when we were talking earlier about, you know, getting the right information, getting informed, not have, you know, dealing with fake news and things like that and, and fake false information. So, um, you know, we mentioned some sites before that, you know, we use and we find good information on. Is there any of them that you, you know, might want to throw out there for our listeners to to go check out? No,
3: and everything you said is about is the same stuff I use, So. We're all on the same page there.
2: That's <laughs> well, really there, amazing. Have a um, go ahead. Go okay. ahead, Aaron. I was just going to ask, you know, one of my favorite questions um, is, you know, if you were talking to that um, newly diagnosed, um, you know, let's say that just got diagnosed yesterday um, and they're coming to you, what would, what would you tell that newly diagnosed person? Um, what strength would you draw from in, in all your years of dealing with this and dealing with the things that you've seen? Um, what, w- what would you say that newly diagnosed individual?
3: And I would tell them that um, just put their head down. You're going to have to power through it. There's going to be about six months of a learning curve that you have to really power through. And that is meds, new doctors, new words, new terms. But once you get past that six months, you're usually pretty much a pro when it comes to the virus. And you can, then you're empowered and you get to ask the questions to the doctors and you get to bring up, you know, that, hey, what about this? Hey, I heard about this. But those first six months, you've got to really put your head down and just listen and power through but once once that little six-month period's over then the tables turn more in your favor and you've got more power to get things done and that's the big thing and i would tell them to find music and movies that make them laugh that you know they have good memories with and
5: you know, hold on to that
3: and play those songs as much as you need, and watch those movies as much as you have to, and find those little escape moments. Cause you, everybody needs those.
1: What are some What are some movies or or music that had you allowed you to escape since we were talking about that? Because um, music is something that is very, you know, uh, therapeutic. So.
3: And music, I like um. Anything kind of dubstep stuff stuff I use at work, I really like, and the movies that I watch to keep me going and keep me motivated are usually like underdog movies. The movies about you know like Rocky. I love watching the Rocky movies, any kind of movie about a boxer or anything like that, and i'll I'll watch. Because I just, I love seeing somebody fighting for something. That puts my mind back in the right place to go, like just remember what you're fighting for. Not just, I'm not just fighting for myself anymore. After I started the, the End the Stigma campaign and the a- direct Angels and Warriors, there's a lot of eyes on me. And so I have to always remind myself of that.
1: Right. So so one of the things we didn't get to touch on much was the end of the stigma campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, why you created that and, and how, if anybody, can get involved with that?
3: I started that um, because of the, the bad information that still floats around in the southeast. The people thinking that they can't eat on utensils after me. They don't want to drink out of the same cup, you know. And just these these dumb ideas that have never progressed. And regardless of how much is known now and how wrong that is. And people in the Southeast still hold on to that initial idea from the early 90s. And that, that fear is still very prevalent. And so that's what the End the Stigma campaign was originally started for, was, you know, quit quit looking at things like that. There's way too much information out there. And then behind that, I created the Angels and Warriors. And the Angels and Warriors, um, they have their own shirts and wristbands, and they are there to start a conversation about HIV and AIDS when I'm not available. And they go out and that's their main goal is if they hear somebody saying something that's incorrect, they'll turn around and say, hey, let's talk about it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you can't drink after somebody with HIV or AIDS? And, you know, it kind of puts the puts the conversation back out there and it makes somebody that's saying something incorrect have to defend that. And I think that's completely fair. If I'm somewhere and I hear somebody say something that's incorrect, I should be able to challenge you. And that's what the angels and warriors really are there for.
1: That's awesome. That actually kind of sounds like my friend, my best friend Tracy. She's very, uh, she'll put you in your place when you say something incorrectly that may be ignorant about HIV or AIDS, she's very quick at, at, at putting people in check. So I think that's awesome and a, and a great mission to have. Um, if people want to get involved with uh, your campaign or find you, connect with you, where can they reach out and find you at?
3: Um, Twitter is going to be the best. Um, I've got a website being built now. And uh, just uh, follow me on Twitter, and that's going to be the best way to get a hold of me. I stay on that pretty much nonstop. So if you send me a message there, I'll get back to you very fast.
1: And and what is your your Twitter handle is?
3: It's DJ D R E K 84. There you have it there. Derek, I want to
1: thank you so much for joining us this hour sitting in sharing your story. Uh, You've been inspirational and, and very brave.
3: And thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.
1: There you have it. You can find our guest uh, this on Twitter. Um, it was TJRec84. So we'll go ahead and post that and share that on our Twitter feed, am Radio. Um, what an amazing, amazing man. Um, we came across each other, cross paths on, on Twitter, and we started following each other. And, you know, he, he's doing a lot of amazing things. And his story, you know, is 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 one for the books it's definitely uh inspirational and, and needs to be put out there more often i agree so, very inspirational uh, uh what message do we have uh to, to play out the show with who 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 do we have coming up
2: so this is uh a, a new one that we loaded up um and this is actually from you remember Char, uh, charlie tregway um, who is my uh, New Zealand crush? I'm just going to put that out there. Um, so, this ah. is uh, uh, another um, uh, person from New Zealand, um, and let's hear from her.
5: Hi, my name is Mara Mapala, and I've lived with HIV for 24 years
3: now. Um, I was a young girl when I was diagnosed and back in those days it was a death sentence and I was told I couldn't have children, I couldn't, I wasn't going to live long and basically told to just give up and um, stop living. And well, since then I've definitely keep living. I've had two children. I'm very happy. I'm an HIV global advocate and activist, and i found that living positive is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's given me experiences I have never would have imagined, and I've been able to travel the world, and I've been able to support amazing other people living with HIV. So thank you.
5: Thank you for letting me say this and thank you for letting me share that HIV is not a death sentence anymore and that we can be happy.
0: Join us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we bring you your weekly dose of hope. You can join in the conversation after the show is off air. Going on Twitter at PazIM Radio, Aaron Laxton. While you're on there, reach out to I'm Still Josh as he brings your weekly HIV scoop. And check out Kevin Maloney with Rise Up to HIV. I encourage you, if you've not already done so, please contribute to the positive message campaign. From each and every one of you who contribute and allow us to bring this show to you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you know someone who would be interested in coming on air... Or you think there's something that we need to cover, please let us know. We're here to bring content that you need and you want. From each and every one of us over at Paz IM Radio, from myself and Robert Brining, have a safe and happy week, and until we talk again, stay positive.